Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, I'm Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. Bebop, this is it. The end of the road. The last episode of season two. Although we've come to the end of the road. Oh no, more singing? Still I have another show. It's called Bebop Tales. It has fire trails. Wait a second, (laughs) hold on. Is this a spoiler? Fire trails? What What does that even mean? Oh, would you like me to put it in a form you can better understand, Jonathan? Sure, whatever that is. It goes a little something like this. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, getting chased by evil toys and fire trails. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. Jonathan, please don't sing over my vocals. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. Well, I don't know about evil toys and fire trails, and that didn't really clarify anything, but it sounds exciting to me. But first, we have to hear what happened to Finn. If you remember what happened in the last episode, our hero had been blasted away up in the sky, holding only a small trumpet alien, and there was no one there to help him. So let's see if he's able to get out of this one in the final episode of The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Season 2, Electric Beepaloo. What? Just kidding. The final episode of The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Season 2, a new friend. Finn's stomach sank, and then he sank. He began falling hard and fast back to the ground. There was nothing he could do. He held on to the trumpet alien, and he heard it making a little noise. Come on, squeeze me, it said. I can't do this by myself. Finn wrapped his arms around the alien and pointed the trumpet at the ground. He gave it a squeeze, and nothing happened. The trumpet alien blew as hard as it could, but still nothing happened. Come on, yelled Finn. I'm trying said the trumpet alien. I'm a living being, you know, I'm not a rocket ship. The ground was coming up on them fast. The wind around Finn's space helmet made the loudest noise he'd ever heard. If everything had seemed so small to him before, high above the ground, now everything was growing at a grotesque rate. The leaves on the tree, the grass on the ground, all came into clear view, each individual blade. He thought he saw horrified looks on the faces of Barkin and Nutkin, Yeti guards had turned away so as not to see what happened. He squeezed and squeezed the trumpet alien, but nothing worked. It was no use. They were plummeting fast, no matter how much Finn squeezed, or the trumpet alien blew out. There was no ship on the horizon ready to save him. His robot Foggy, the robot he loved so much, who had saved Finn's life on his birthday, lay motionless on the ground. Finn closed his eyes and readied for the final collision 
with the grass. The wind in his ears was deafening. But then, Finn had an idea. He wrapped his legs around the trumpet alien's body, hooked his feet together, and squeezed as hard as he could, and... They seemed to slow down a little bit. It's working! Don't talk, said Finn. Just blow. I was just excited. (laughs) Finn squeezed again, and they slowed down some more. But they weren't slowing down enough, and they were too close to the ground. It would take a dozen little trumpet aliens to blow out enough air to keep Finn from crashing to the ground, or even just to land without breaking half the bones in his body. Finn could see the trumpet giant grinning at him, waiting for him to fall. It was too much. Never mind the danger he was in. Too many times since they first landed on this planet, someone had been laughing at the explorers, someone who thought they could never do what they set out to do. It could be the trumpet aliens, the Shakespeare kids, the Yeti guards, the king. Finn was tired of it. And seeing the look on the giant's face, he knew he had to do something about it. Finn pointed the alien in his arms sideways, squeezed as hard as he could, and rocketed them straight at the giant. What are you doing? Yelled the trumpet alien. I don't know. We'll see. Yelled Finn. He squeezed the trumpet alien one more time, just as the giant pointed its horn at them as if it were going to blast them back into the sky. The little trumpet alien stuck in the giant's horn like a pea in a pod. Finn landed on top of the little alien inside the horn. The giant let out another blast, but the sound shook Finn and his ears ached, but the giant was officially muzzled. It could try and try to blast the smaller trumpet alien out, but it was stuck. Finn pushed the smaller alien in even further. Thanks a lot, it said. As Finn climbed out of the giant horn and grabbed a nearby tree branch, shimmying back down to the ground. Get out of there, you fool, yelled the giant. The giant reached up to yank the little alien out of its horn, and when it did, the amulet came tumbling out of its hand. Finn grabbed it and threw it to one of the guards. The giant immediately began shrinking. The amulet! Where is it? Give it back to me! But the trumpet alien was shrinking by the second, which made the alien inside his trumpet more and more uncomfortable. And by the time Finn had picked himself up off the ground, the trumpet aliens were the same size again, and the one had popped out of the other's horn. The guard placed the amulet on the king's lap and untied Nutkin and Barkin. Finn knelt down next to Foggy, who lay still. Ah, Foggy, is there anything I can do? asked Finn. You can make sure none of those trumpet aliens play any more of that awful music, said Foggy. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that anymore, said Finn. The guards were all holding the trumpet aliens, squeezing their trumpets shut and carrying them back to the castle. Finn sat down next to Foggy. I suppose I should start dragging you in the direction we saw the pod fly off in. We have to go find everybody. I just wish we knew if they were still in the same solar system or not. Well, you might have an answer sooner than you think, said Barkin, walking over with Nutkin. It looks like your plan on Tukunia worked. Off in the distance, Finn could see the Shakespeare pod, 
flying toward them. It was zigging and zagging and flying all over the place, as though it was the pilot's first time at the wheel. As it got closer, Finn could see why. One of the Yeti guards had the ship's controls in its arms and fear in its eyes as it tried to land the pod gracefully. That didn't happen. The hatch opened and out came the other furball alien who had been with Barkin on Tukunia, another Yeti guard, along with Cymbeline, Romy, and Beth. The guard who had piloted the plane stayed on the pod, catching its breath. King Huxley, yelled Cymbeline. The king, awake now but still weak, was lying beneath the tree. We have returned with the final piece of the amulet. These Marlowe jokers may have tried to steal our glory, but we, the cosmonauts of the Shakespeare 820 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station, have completed the quest. Cymbeline held out something small for the king to see. The king gave it a puzzled look. Finn peeked at it. Hey, um, Cymbeline, I don't think that's part of the amulet. Be quiet, Marlowe cadet. How would you possibly know? Because, said Finn, that's not a jewel you have there. It's nice and pink and sparkly, but it's actually the pinky toe of an epismorph. The good news is, though, that it'll come back to life any minute now, so you'll have a nice pet. Cymbeline dropped the toe to the ground. Ugh, I know. It was Hamlet's idea to say it was part of the amulet. <laughs> well, where is old Hammy anyway? said Finn. He's... Cymbeline took a deep breath. He's... he's on our pod. You can't see him because the Bigfoot thing over there is sitting on him. Finn laughed. Wait, you mean Hamlet is that guard's chair? Cymbeline kicked at the grass. I don't know. He said something he shouldn't have about the guard's hair. And the guard sat on him and flew the pod. I think I have whiplash. Finn considered for a moment asking the king to let him take the Shakespeare's pod back to the Marlow. But he figured if he did that, he'd eventually have to return it. Which meant seeing the Shakespeare kids again. Which he did not want to do. The king motioned to Barkin and whispered something in his ear. The king would like to ask your forgiveness, Finn said Barkin. He says he would never have done such things had he been healthier and not subject to the control of those creatures. You don't need to ask forgiveness, but I forgive you anyways, said Finn. But what I really need to ask you is if I may borrow one of your rocket sleds. I'd like to load my friend Foggy onto it and then go search for my friends. Finn dragged Foggy onto the sled and it wasn't long before they were airborne. And not long at all that Finn found the Explorer pod, with everyone inside of it zooming toward the planet. There were three more pods behind it from the Marlin. A rescue party. They all looked shocked to see Finn zooming straight at them, and then past them. The first one to make it home. Everyone on the Marlowe gathered in the Great Hall, and while Foggy and Voltronics were getting repaired, Finn, Vale, Elias, Abigail, and Paige took turns telling everyone what had happened, 
and Robococo was enjoying being checked out by all the engineers. Captain Caspian told them about how the Marlowe had recovered its systems after some time, but they had picked up signals from Voltronics, from Page, and from the Explorer pod, and they couldn't determine what was happening. The signals were coming from across the galaxy. The adults were astonished that the troop had split up and yet somehow had come through in one piece. Finn's mother hugged Finn and Paige and addressed the rest of the crew. It is remarkable what these young cosmonauts have achieved and how they have relied on each other's strengths and faith that they will never let each other down to accomplish such amazing feats. I think we, the adults aboard the Marlow, could learn a thing or two from their example. Finn shrugged. Actually, just for the record, said Vale, we did work together and everything, but the ice planet, that was all me. These guys were literally statues. I did all the exciting stuff. Finn's mother smiled and shook her head. <laughs> well, I hope, Vale, that you can handle a little more excitement, because today isn't just a reunion when our troop and our families are back together. It is a day of great celebration. At first, Finn didn't know what his mother was talking about, but then it dawned on him. He smiled and looked at Abigail, who didn't know what was going on. Abigail, said Captain Caspian, would you like to step forward, please? I believe in all the excitement you've forgotten, but we have not. Today is your eighth birthday! Abigail's parents came forward and gave the traditional birthday speech, the crowd chanting Abigail's name. And Finn, Elias, and Violet ran out of the room, coming back, wheeling in a new robot, a thick black cloth draped over it. Abigail jumped up and down and raced to the robot, yanking off the cloth. It was a beautiful machine, with the orange tint of copper and a dull shine. It was only about a head taller than Abigail, and on its chest, in shining chrome, was a crest. And inside that shield was an etching of a bunny, its eyes sparkling with lasers. Oh, she's perfect, said Abigail, and I know exactly what book I'm going to give her. Unlike some people I know, she nudged Finn, who had been staring at the bot. Yeah, so what book is it, said Finn. But Abigail shook her head. I'm not telling. Oh, she's perfect. I just want to squeeze her, but I also just want to look at her. Oh, I don't know what to do. But wait, let's go to the library. Why are we just standing around? Let's go. Come on. She grabbed Finn's hand and pulled him out of the great hall and into the corridor, and the two friends raced to the library to get the book for the new bot. And when they got there, they slowed down. There was something calming about being among all of the books again. Abigail began scanning the bookshelves, Finn following behind her. She found her book, put her finger on it, traced the spine, and just tipped it out, but didn't pull the book all the way off the shelf. You know, it's incredible, Finn, she said. A few weeks ago, we were just kids playing around on this space station, and then it was your birthday, and then everything changed. First, we saved the Marlow, 
Then we saved basically an entire planet. She took the book off her shelf and hugged it to her chest. What do you think we'll do next, Finn? She said. Save the universe? Okay, for the last time in season two, I am with my friend, son, and editor, Griffin Messenger. Say hi to everybody, Griff. Hi, hi. Hello. All right. And uh, that's it. That's the end of the season. What do you think? Awesome. Yay. (laughs) All right. Yeah, you like that last episode? Battle. Yeah, you like the battle. I know you do. I know you. Oh, the battle dance is coming out again. (laughs) All right. So let's talk. What do you have any? uh, You have any questions for me? I wonder what the bot's book is gonna be and what, what personal thing, which person he'll personate. Yeah. So, what book is Abigail taking off the shelf, and then what character in that book is she gonna be? Is that bot gonna be right? Yeah. Did you, Did you like the crest on the robot's chest? The, yeah. The laser bunny crest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect for Abigail, right? Yep. All right, so if you had to choose a book right now for Abigail's, or for your own robot, what book would you choose? Ninjago. Ninjago, okay. And which character in Ninjago would you be? Um, or would your robot be? I, I kind of want it to be Kai. Kai, okay. All right. Very cool. And, all right, so that's kind of the big cliffhanger. So actually, there's kind of two big cliffhangers. One, what is the book? That Abigail's going to put in her robot. And who's the robot going to be? Right. And, but at the end, what did she say to Finn? What's next? Are we going to save the universe? Do you think that the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, they're going to save the universe next season? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're going to save the whole entire space. I'm also going to be starting a club called How to Hear an Alien. A new club. We got Griffin's Sound Club, and now we're going to have the How to Hear an Alien Club? Yep. All right. Are you, do you want to talk about that now? I can give you a little preview. Okay. What's, so what's like, it? like, it's about how to recognize alien sound. Oh, so you could actually, like, discover an alien or find an alien based on the sound that it makes? Yep. Okay. Sounds exciting. Yep. <laughs> All right. Great. All right. So shall we do art? talk about. Oh, what's that? You may not notice this, but how uh, the Trump and alien talked about butts. Oh, yeah, you're right. Right. So what's your, do you have a question about that? I think there might be a league of bad guys that would want to destroy or take over tomorrow. In other words, they're in cahoots. What's cahoots? <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, yeah, maybe maybe season three will clear that up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right, let's do some art. Okay, we have a whole lot of art to discuss. I'm going to try to mention everyone who has sent in art up until the end of the season. If I miss you, let me know, and I'm sure Bebop will just love pointing out my mistake during Bebop Tales. All right, here we go. Caleb and Joshua, who are six, and Isaac, who is four, from Merida, Yucatan, Mexico, 
Clara, who's eight, who drew a sapphite. Nina from San Carlos, California. Josie from Agragana. Siblings Alexander, six, and Audrey, four. Alexander actually has a joke that slipped by me before, but I'll tell it right now. What is a pencil's favorite place to go on vacation? Pennsylvania. <laughs> All right, I like that one. Edie, who is six and a half, from Maryland. Luca, who is seven, from Osprey, Florida, who got a little help from his brother Jonah. Eli, who is seven, from New Wago, Michigan. He also sent in a joke that I don't really think I can tell and have it clear to the listeners. So go to Instagram.com slash FinCaspian and you can see that joke. It's a really great one. It's worth it. Trust me. Miles, who is five, drew us a cool robot. Five-year-old Ben from New York City drew himself with Bebop. Ezra from New York drew a picture of Baron von Messingham. Sisters B and Cecilia, ages three and four, from Athens, Georgia. Second grader Jack Butler from Northern Ireland. Jacob from Dunsville, Ontario. We got his comics up on the site now, so check those out at fincaspian.com. Esme, who is 10, and Gigi, who is 9, from Traverse City, Michigan. Noah, who is 8, from Grand Rapids, Michigan. John Paul, who sent an awesome dragon drawing. Liesl, who is 9, and Cooper, who is 7, from Fort Riley, Kansas. 7-year-old Aiden from Alabama. Nora and Henry from Bellevue, Washington, and hi to their sister Claire. Maya, who is 5, from Sydney, Australia. Hazel, who is 6. John, who is 7, from Santa Paula, California. Elijah, who is six from Los Angeles. Claire, who is seven from Thailand. Isaac from Alexandria, Minnesota. Quinn from Chicago. Sisters Amelia and Sophia. Siblings Alina, who is 12, and Axel, who is 10. Liliana, who is six. Tristan, who is four. And Fabian, who is two, from Turlock, California. Mateo from Boulder, Colorado. Caden, who is six, from Glen Burnie, Maryland. Vanier, who is six, from Montreal. Finn, who is nine, from Canberra, Australia. Theo, from Alameda, California. Eamon, who is eight, from Newport News, Virginia. And then Oliver, who is five, and five-year-old Elijah as well. Thank you all so much for all the art you have sent in. Bebop is chowing down on it. I think it's enough to get him through the first couple of weeks of Bebop Tales. But, you know, he's a hungry robot, so feel free to keep sending in art while we're on break. All right, great. And now it is time for jokes. Our first joke is from Mayim from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And her sister Eliora told a joke in episode 14, and I forgot to put Mayim's jokes with hers. So here's Mayim. Hi, I'm Mayim, and I'm six years old. How do space rocks hold up their pants? With an asteroid belt. <laughs> <laughs> How do you tie two stars together? With ast- with astronauts. <laughs> what did the astronaut call his twelve month diet? A light year. Did you hear about the rocket science party? It was a blast. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you so much to Mayim for those jokes. And now we have another sibling team. This is Simon. Simon's gonna tell you a couple of jokes. Right. And we actually know Simon from Spinewood Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, this is a different Simon, I think. Yeah. Uh, this is Simon Lawrence from Corbeil, Canada, and I have two jokes. Joke number one. What do aliens eat out of at their tea parties? Flying saucers. <laughs> Joke number two. What do you get when you throw an orange? 
A UFO. Unidentified flying orange. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. And now here's his brother, Sebastian. Introducing Sebastian Lawrence. My, I have a knock-knock joke to tell. Knock-knock. Who's there? Interrupting alien. Interrupting alien. <laughs> this is my, my second joke. Knock-knock. Who's there? The moon. The moon who? Are you a cow or what? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much to Sebastian and Simon. Those were awesome jokes. It's good ones to close out the season on, I think. We'll be playing more of your jokes. If you send in jokes and you haven't heard those jokes yet, we'll be playing them on Bebop Tales. Don't worry. Totally. All right. So that's it for the season. That's it for the episode. That's it for the season. Anything you want to say, Griff? Enjoy Bebop Tales and my special club. Thanks for listening and hope everyone has a nice summer. That's right. All right. That's very nice of you, Griff. All right, buddy. All right. Thanks so much for doing this second season with me, Griff. It was a lot of fun. Yep. All right. You want to say goodbye to everybody? Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Okay, thanks for coming back and having some more fun with us this whole season. I'm so grateful that you've been here and that you've shared all of your incredible art and ideas and jokes and sounds with us. Speaking of sounds, the sounds in this week's episode came from four-year-old Loretta from Canada and five-year-old Celeste, who both made sounds for when Finn is squeezing the trumpet alien. If you haven't heard your sounds yet, do not despair. Griffin will be collaborating with Bebop to keep the sound club going throughout Bebop Tales. And a shout out to all the artists who sent in their food and thanks to Simon, Sebastian, and Mayim for the jokes. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a Gen Z kids production. Written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Milky Way. For more information about the music, the art, everything about the show, check out the show notes. See all the art mentioned this week at fincaspian.com. And thanks, as always, for sending in everything that you've sent in. And thanks again for being the world's greatest audience and partners in making this show with us. And I just want to say really quickly thanks to Griffin for always making it fun to make the show. And thanks to Bebop for always making it hard to make the show. And be sure to stay tuned for Bebop Tales and perhaps a few other surprises as we get ready for Season 3. I hate to say it, but bye everybody. Come see us in Chicago! And now the show begins. Hey, parents and teachers, have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? 
It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy. I'm Autumn. And I'm Jasper. And we're, we're a GZM, GZM family. family. And we want you to listen to our favorite show, Becoming Mother Nature. I love the one with the Green Reaper and the zombies. Do you want to hear your family at the end of a show giving a shout-out? Go to gzmshows.com slash shout-out to learn more. That's gzmshows.com slash shout-out for a chance to be heard on this show.